Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Dixon, and you are listening to The Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro Magazine, a monthly publication that covers every aspect of the graphics industry. My guest today is designer Matt Charbonneau. Matt started his career in the sign industry in 1985 with Charbonneau Signs. In 2017, he published the Pre-Sale Sign Survey Field Guide, and in 2019, he started Storm Mountain Signs and the Sign Design Institute. You can contact him at matt at stormmountainsigns.com or visit his website, stormmountainsigns.com or contact him at 970-481-4151. This episode of Graphics Profiles is brought to you by the Graphics Pro Expo. Graphics Pro Expo is the event for graphics professionals with access to the awards and personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and digital graphics markets, all under one roof. Join us for the final in-person events of 2021 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, September 24th through 25th, and Charlotte, North Carolina, October 29th through 30th. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out more. you got to be there. I hope you're doing well today. I am. Thank you very much. Kind of give me a little background here. I not to age shame you or anything like that, but when you started at, uh, doing sign design, you started out with paints and brushes. Is that correct? I think it was more rock and chisel <laughs> um, on the cave walls. But uh, yeah, I yes, I was before the days of uh, cut film with sticky substance on the back. So everything had to be done, yeah, literally by hand. Uh, just kind of curious, do you think it's uh, tougher for designers to get started today or back when you got started? I personally think it's a lot harder, almost impossible uh, in today's uh, setting because, you know, in my, in my day, um, drafting and drawing by hand and dimensioning and understanding perspective and the ice isometric drawings, things like that, that was all introduced very early on uh, in drafting classes uh, in high school and in tech classes. And, and I don't see, I don't see a whole lot of disciplines being uh, focused on, on a lot of trainings rather being focused on those disciplines. So what happens is that typically in, in our industry for the signage, we see a lot of very, very, very talented print media designers who get launched and sent into the sign world, thinking that some of the same disciplines that they've had will all apply and work the same, and they just simply don't. All right. I kind of want to talk to you about some uh, kind of difficult struggles that a lot of designers have these days. And, and to try and keep it focused, I, I really want to talk about uh, design time. Um, a lot of designers obviously need time to create what they're doing. How do you go about charging clients for the time invested in your designs? Uh, good question. Uh, I, over the years, I have tried every possible way in the world that you can imagine to charge for my work. And I've really come to the belief that 
Um, flat fees are never very popular, <laughs> but with designers, but you know, companies, business owners, clients, they love it because they know upfront what to expect. Their obligation is defined. They're going to pay X number of dollars. And in reality, if we're talking pure creativity, Matt, you know, how, how many times a logo design idea has come to me while I'm doing something completely unrelated. I could be working in the garden and suddenly the way those rocks are arranged, ha that's it. That, that is, that's exactly what I need to incorporate into that logo. So how in the world can you possibly charge for that? So therefore doing things on a flat fee pro provides a couple of interesting dynamics. Number one, it holds the designer very accountable. Hey, it's up to them. If, if they're really as good as they think they are, they can make that thing happen. Um, and for the, for the company who's hiring that designer, whether it be a sign shop, whether it be an outside, co outside company, um, they know exactly what their obligation is. And nobody, I know, I know it's probably a fallacy. People think, oh, revisions are just part of the way things go in the industry. And it really isn't. Um, if you, if you understand, if you know your client, if you got things really dialed in, then coming up with a design that they find favor with should not be that difficult. And it should be something that the designer can master and handle and get done in a certain amount of time. That's why flat fees work so well for the creative side. How much uh, design do you do as part of the sales pitch to try to get the job? You know, um, I look at it this way. If I can throw something together in 20 minutes, that will pique the interest of the client, but not give away everything that I'm trying to propose to them. To me, that's a worthwhile investment. Um, many times, I have also seen that backfire where I put together what I think is a really great idea only to provide them that business a lot of great material to go to their favorite designer who they've known for 30 years and say, hey, look what this person did. I love this. Do that. <laughs> so uh, you have to kind of you have to do a little bit of fact finding up front, find out who you're dealing with, find out if it's really a bona fide client. But then I always think it's it's definitely worth it. If you can put a few minutes into something creative, you bet. Put it out there. Do you happen to uh, adjust your uh, rates for your design if you know that the sale is made? Well, no, in the sense that, you know, my, my rates, what, what I determine to be the amounts that I need to charge on, on a flat fee, they, they are what they are. Um, it's, it's, um, it's kind of an, it's kind of an unwritten rule in the creative world. And that is you never discount. You either give it away for free or you do it for the rate you charge. If you want to give somebody something extra in addition to their price, that's fine. But once you start, once you start, um, discounting creative, you've pretty much pulled the rug out from underneath yourself. 
how do you uh, separate yourself from other designers out there? Um, well, it's because I wear a pretty cool cowboy hat, and I think that's probably number one. But, it is a good motif. Uh, that's right. A good motif, too. That always helps. Um, so I think one of the, one of the things that um, designers need to focus on is that this is a very, very fun industry. We get to be creative. And we get to create, design something basically that's going to be created, manufactured. It, it isn't simply an image which will then appear on a screen someplace. Not to discount that at all, because there's a ton of work that goes into websites, into print media, things like that. In our sign industry, we get to design something, and then eh, there's pretty something pretty impressive when you get to drive by the sign and it's 50 foot tall. It's at the shopping center. And you see other people standing outside looking at it too. So there's a there's a certain amount of reward that you get in that. Now, when I when I deal with customers, whenever I have that opportunity, man, I let them know how much I love this industry. I let them know how exciting it is. I let them know that I love doing this and they are in good hands. Um, think about it for yourself. Uh, you know, if you went to have uh, you know even a a minor little surgery done on, on, let's say, your leg, your ankle, just for some minor thing. If the doctor came in and was all bummed out, oh, well, I guess I'll do this, okay. You wouldn't have very much confidence even in a surgery. But if they came in, they're happy, they're confident, hey, not a problem. You know what? We're going to get that little lump taken off of there. No big deal. You're going to be back out dancing on, on Tuesday. You suddenly go into the whole relationship with a much different attitude and designers have to do that. I know we can be sometimes introverted. Sometimes we're not wanting to be real social. Uh, sometimes we just want to get the work done. But there is a certain amount of, you have to light your own fire. You have to show the client that you really are the right person for the job. This episode of Graphics Profiles is brought to you by the Graphics Pro Expo. Graphics Pro Expo is the event for graphics professionals with access to the awards and personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and digital graphics markets, all under one roof. Join us for the final in-person events of 2021 in Pittsburgh, September 24th through 25th, and Charlotte, October 29th through 30th. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out more. you got to be there. Since you're pretty much a one-man show, you do all of the uh, upfront face-to-the-client uh, uh, work and everything like that, and as well as the design. So during the sales process, can you maybe walk me through some red flags uh, when dealing with clients that may tell you that your, your time may not be well spent? Ah, yes. Yes. Um, I can, you know, after, listen, 30 eight years, um, I can tell when a customer is tooling me, and I use that word tooling, T-O-O-L-I-N-G, as if they're using you like a tool to accomplish something they're trying to get done. And a lot of, the, a lot of times the types of questions that a customer will ask really indicate whether or not they've been talking to another designer or perhaps a company that is, uh, you know, trying to get them excited to, to look at something similar. Um, 
there's that old saying, and it comes out of the um, uh, is it the the Drapers. Um, it's the buyers are liars, and it's it, I know it's it sounds really terrible, but they don't do it to be mean, deceptive, or anything else. Buyers are liars means that we all are human beings and we are all afraid of the unknown. Most of the time, if a person is dealing with a designer, a graphic artist, if they've never or had very few limited experiences with that, it's kind of scary because you don't know what you're getting into. You don't know if you're going to be given a bill at the end for $25,000 for a bunch of stuff you don't like or whether you're gonna spend a lot of time looking at options on options on top of options, that you end up, or it's just been a big waste of time. And I just have always felt that building the trust with your client is absolutely the most important thing because if they will not share with you, this is my opinion now, after 10 minutes, if they will not share with you certain key elements of their project, you need to really shake their hand, thank them for their time, and leave because you are being tooled. One of the questions that they will not answer if they don't tell you their budget. And I know there's probably a ton of argument in this thing. A lot of people, they, oh, we don't want to tell everybody. Uh, baloney. <laughs> you know what? If they trust you, if they like you, if they want to do business with you, they're going to open up and tell you what you need to know so that you can do your very best job. Um, when customers ask you questions about an element of the project that there's no way, no way they could know what they're talking about. It's obvious that they have been coached by somebody else, probably another designer or another company, to ask these certain questions to see what kind of answer we would give. And then suddenly you realize at that point, you're no longer in the driver's seat of this sale. <laughs> that's, that's when you shake your, their hand and you just politely excuse yourself because you're really only, only going to be justifying the reason that they feel they should go with their designer that they like in the first place. And I'm just not into that. <laughs> I just have learned. Do you have any stories about uh, uh, clients who have come to you and kind of bit off more than they can chew as far as what they're looking for in a design? My whole philosophy going into, into what I do, number one, it's built on trust. Number, number two, when you have that trust, you can be upfront, you can talk, you can be very honest with your designer, you can, and then they'll be honest back with you, you, you suddenly have a basis of communication and from that communication, the chances of problems, errors, or things going wrong, it becomes very minim, uh, minimal because everybody's on the same page. We're all talking about things. Um, when, whenever I'm explaining to a client how tall 40 feet really is, and how much goes into a sign that's 40 foot tall? 
when they go, yeah, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> that's, us that's usually a big sign that you've got somebody that really doesn't know. And you should then back, I always back up and I start taking some double steps to say, hey, um, who's, who's your project manager? Or who is, who is the one that may be pulling some of the other decision levers on this that are not here in this meeting? Um, because that's whenever someone dismisses anything about a project that's significant, it's usually a red flag that you're not talking to the right person or they don't have the, they may be the right person, but they don't have the ultimate authority. So I've heard that it's very important for a designer to not fall in love with any of their designs. Uh, I kind of know what that means when, uh, when we do writing, it's very important for us not to fall in love with what we've written uh, to avoid redoing everything and, and maybe trying to make it a little bit better. But uh, what would you say is your sweet spot for the number of design op options you would present to a client? Uh, one. <laughs> well, well, here's there's two ways to approach it, Matt. You can either be a solution provider or you can be a drafts person. Now, a solution provider, what I do is I look at their need. And when you're talking about signage, there's a need. The sign has to perform a function. Otherwise, it's not a sign, it's a work of art. So whatever that function is, whether it's um, regulatory, whether it's informational, directional, whether it's just identification, you identify what the purpose is, what function, what role does a sign perform, and then you come up with that solution. Now, options as far as showing, oh, we could add this, we can add that, we can do this. In my opinion, if you approach it with a good, better, best, or here's three things, here's what you can do. Um, if you're not solid in your relationship with that client, like I said, you've just simply provided the company they're going to go with anyway with just a lot more information that they can use to make their customer happy. But if you provide them one design, one solution option, just in a sketch, just as a concept to tease, now you're establishing a relationship with a client and you're setting a boundary and you're saying, Hey, I'm a professional. If you would, if this intrigues you, if you see potential, I would be happy to visit with you, find out more of your needs and find out exactly what the parameters are so that I can come up with a solution that will work and do what it's supposed to do. That's, re that's really what we all dream for as far as a relationship with a client and when they buy your drawing. Um, whenever a client has, whenever I have put together a good, better, best and they look at it, it really creates more confusion once they decide if they could say, hey, I really like this and I kind of like B. Well, keep in mind, as a solution provider, to come up with three completely different solutions that aren't interrelated, it's pretty tough. You're doing a lot of work you don't have to do. So um, let's talk about how we get from the design, the drawing board 
to real world uh, sign installed and client reaction. Have you ever had a client look at your, your finished product after it's been in, created and everything like that and be like, you know, I approved every step of the way and I didn't realize how badly that tree was going to affect things or environmental concerns. I know you do a little, really good job of uh, uh, essentially uh, mocking up what the sign will look like in the environment, but is there anything that you can't uh, adapt for there? Yes. Um, the number one, the number one thing that used to come up, and and I tell me if this is uh, on the same track here, but we all we all know that colors are divided up in the print world by a book called Pantone, Pantone Matching System, or the PMS color number. So PMS color numbers are for print, right? And they got a whole, they got a whole slew of these things that are different also for monitors now. So that there's some way to, to put some consistency to color. Well, so everybody, everybody's looking at designs and they're all looking at pretty pictures on monitors that are producing colors with with a light that is illuminating little tiny diodes on a screen. Well, that's not real life when it comes to your sign because your sign is fabricated with aluminum and a liquid coating called paint is, is created and it's applied to it. Even if we make that paint an exact match to Pantone 350, which is a deep green, when you take that sign outside, you now have subjected to the full range of Kelvin uh, variables that happen throughout the day. Kelvin is the color of the light that we see. The sun always produces about a 7200, I believe. It's so white, 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 whitish, white, white. That is, it just, you know, it washes out everything. So when you're looking at a Kelvin of like 2400, that would be like, what you, the, the light bulbs you purchase that you'd have in your bedroom because you want a nice soft glow light that's not piercing to your eyes. So in between that range of the 2400 and let's say 6500, which would be like at noon, right? That, that Pantone 350 green is going to change in color. Your eye is going to perceive it differently in the mornings and in the evenings. It will be more orangish looking and it'll be a deeper green. But during the day, it's going to look closer to a blue because the orange colors is, are not there uh, be, because it's that 6,500 at noon. And it will look significantly different. Now we add on top of that that every 10 feet, every 20 feet, every 100 feet you get away from a color, it darkens just naturally that just happens it's a it's a freak of nature that occurs with our eyes perceiving the light bouncing off the paint it just happens so that is the biggest thing that i have battled with explaining to uh typically it's a very very talented well-meaning designers who are doing their best to maintain a company's brand up until the signage part <laughs> and then they realize that everything goes out the window. 
we painted the color it's supposed to be, but everybody has to understand it will look different once it's fabricated. As long as you educate everyone on that and get them up to speed, there's really never any big surprises. Um, so when you don't, uh, yeah, that, that's like you were saying about the trees, certain things, certain geographic elements. I I follow the three uh, the, the three time rule, which is I will do my best to point out the obvious three times. And at that point, if it's not being acknowledged or no one cares, fine. I guess I don't care about it either. But I keep all my emails to show that. Yeah, I brought this up. I said that in the fall, you know, that sign is going to be great all winter. But when the spring hits, those leaves are going to appear and you're not going to see your sign from 300 feet down the road. So yeah, that's the only way, you, that's really the only way you can address it is to really communicate all of those potential pitfalls up front, especially if the client is concerned about one or the other color, readability, that thing. Thank you so much to Matt Charbonneau for joining me today. Matt and I have worked together on many magazine articles over the last decade, and it's very easy to understand why clients keep coming back to him because it's always been a joy to work with, and we truly appreciate his time. You can catch all of our previous Graphic Profiles episodes and tune into new episodes by subscribing to our show at SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. New episodes come out every month, and if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, drop me a line. My contact information is in the show notes at the end of today's episode. Until then, stay safe and keep pushing those design boundaries.